Mary, you and I have always talked about where the market is and where it's going. There was a belief for a while that we could move from the internal combustion engine to EVs, and now it feels like there's an interim step towards hybrids. You've been reluctant in the past. On the earnings call, you entertained that idea. What's changed your mind? Well, you know, again, as we're going through this transformation, a lot has changed. I think, uh, you know, a few years back when we made that statement, I think we thought we'd be farther along on the charging infrastructure, uh, again, uh, across the entire country. But I also think the regulatory environment has changed to be even more stringent. And so as we get there, um, we think now hybrids are going to play a role. We already have the technology. It's been deployed in other regions, so we'll apply it in North America at a time frame that we think is important, uh, primarily from a regulatory environment. Uh, as we move forward. He said, read my lips. We will put fossil fuels out of business. Uh, I, I did not hear him say that. I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to clock it. Can you share the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that this rule would cut in the short term? Can you detail that in any specific way for people to understand? That's a really, I think that's part of what this uh, review is all about, is to understand what are the implications of LNG. Um, we've started to learn more about leakage rates at different parts of the supply chain, upstream, midstream, downstream. We've started to learn a lot about what happens to uh, LNG as it's chilled and then shipped uh, overseas. Um, we're also seeing major shifts in uh, the demand for this product. What is it backing out on the other end? Um, you think about a lot of our allies and partners who use that LNG today actually are on a trajectory to back out that demand, uh, to replace it with things like clean energy and energy efficiency. So this will take all of those factors in and hopefully uh, produce a, uh, an answer that helps us answer this, uh, this really important question. Donald Trump, when he was commander-in-chief, refused to visit a cemetery, U.S. cemetery, outside of Paris for fallen American soldiers. And he referred to those heroes, and I quote, as suckers and losers. He actually said that. He said that. How dare he say that? How dare he talk about my son and all of us dressed like that? You all have concerns about this Sunday. But a real man admits his fears. That's what I'm asking you to do here tonight. Who wants to start? Fears, let's talk about it. Hey, I'm scared of spiders, coach. <laughs> Well, that's not what I meant. Me too, Coach. I'm afraid of spiders too, Coach. I don't know about them bees. Anybody here afraid of anything other than insects? Huh? Come on. Quicksand. Quicksand's a scary mother, man. I mean, first of all, it suck you right in, and even if you scream, right, you get all that muck in your mouth. I don't think that's mouth. what Shane had in mind, Frank. Huh? That's not what he had in mind. Hey, what's up, Shane? You're playing, and you think everything is going fine. But then one thing goes wrong, and then another, and another. And you try to fight back, but the harder you fight, the deeper you sink, until you can't move, you can't breathe, because you're in over your head, like quicksand. Yeah. And welcome, welcome back. back. 
to the unregulated podcast. <laughs> this is episode number 167 here on Wednesday, the last day of January, the 31st. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm uh, mildly hungover and kind of cranky Mike McKenna, so this is going to be a good uh, we show. Are, we are going to... Uh, we got to interrupt this program for some kid Uber and then we'll come back. That's the beauty of tape to live. Um, but you know, I, I just, I just wish that people would, the world would just be a much better place if people would listen to us. Well, I agree, but what do you have in mind particularly? How, how long have we been harping on hybrids uh, as, as the solution here and good old, Mary Vera, yeah, well, you know, we still, we still want to make them EVs, but we're ready to position, uh, shift our position to hybrids if we need to. Yeah, if that pesky public just doesn't, you know, if they just don't, you know, get buy up, you know, buy off on the program, then we might have to shift over to hybrids. Yeah, I'll tell you a secret. You want a secret? The public doesn't want hybrids either. They just want cars. They want regular old American cars. Well, I think that there are there is a market for hybrids. I understand there's a, a sure. pretty significant waiting list for the Prius. Uh, it's back. Sure, there's markets for everything in America, including cocaine and you know um, fossil fuel. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 is there a market for fossil fuel? Yeah, it it that's what I'm. I think that, look, there has been no like, there has been no widespread demand on the part of American consumers for either hybrids or electric vehicles. Literally all people want is better cars that give them more room, more cup holders, and more radio channels. And y'all, if possible, turn it into a rolling computer so they can like do stuff with, uh, you know, with Siri yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. It, 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 this whole, this whole detour is nonsense. I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get tired of it, which is rare for me because usually I have a lot of patience. Uh, we're not going to stop talking about it. I until know. Kill until, it dead. Until, until we take a step. And stab it in the heart. We're not going to stop talking about it until somebody says, You guys are kind of overdoing this. Then we'll be like, Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, if that were the case, we'd stop talking about the Yankees. <laughs> All right, listen, Secretary Jenny says he don't, it doesn't, she doesn't recall President Biden ever saying that they wanted to end fossil fuels. Good that's just gravy. I'm like, that's just ludicrous. It, it the thing is, is this thing must have run like five times a week on various networks, like for three months after the guy got elected. I'm like, you couldn't possibly miss it unless you yeah, lived in, well, unless you lived in Canada. So maybe it's a good thing. We banned LNG exports for the time being uh, so that we can figure out why we banned LNG oh, exports yeah. for the time being. Is that, is that not the most, this was climate czar Ali Zaidi who, you know, uh, we we've we've had a run in with Dare Czar on occasion, you know, uh, maybe eighteen or twenty run ins with biweekly meetings with the former FERC commissioner. You know, I'll give him this, right? It wasn't quite as bad as what the vice president sometimes spiels out, but it was pretty close. It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty close. Well, you that's know, a great question, you know, and we're learning a whole lot that's about a great, that's a great question. Listen to me for the next forty seconds while I don't answer it. Yeah. I, I even by suckers and lose the suckers and losers hoax resurfaced yet again. Yeah. And this time, uh, 
and this time in a rather grand, like cranky grandfatherish type tone. So I, I don't know. Does President Biden think that if, if he just gets really in, indignant about something, that everyone's just gonna be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that makes total and complete sense." Yeah, yeah. So, so just real quick for listeners who may not pay attention to this stuff, right? That that particular quote um, has never been verified. Um, nobody has any idea. Like nobody can identify when the president might have said it or to whom. Um, it's a complete. It's I don't know if it's a complete fabrication, but to date, it's a fabrication. So um, I mean, even Trump's, you know, even some of the Trump circles who don't like are, are now never Trumpers have not said that that's a val. A, that's right. Yeah, you know, an accurate statement. And this, of course, the whole premise for his quote getting into the race was also based on. I would point out. I would point out two other things real quick. That are that are not happy things to point out, but but it, I don't think you can let goon and instigate goons and instigators run campaigns. Um, President Biden himself did not or, ser- did not serve in the United States Armed Forces. Just so, you, so you're aware, so you're aware he had his moment during Vietnam and he figured out a way around it. Um, well, there, in fairness, there were a lot of a, a lot of then politicians and. I get it, Mr. Trump. You know, the Creedence Clearwater Revival song "Fortunate Son" comes to mind. I get it, but m- m- no. Mr. Trump avoided his service as well. I, I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that to condemn either one or to applaud either one. I think both deserve some opprobrium on this on that score. But the idea that Mr. Biden is going to weaponize it is ridiculous. That's well, that's because the, his son, because my son ramble, ramble, ramble. That was the, the that was well, the close. Okay. And that end. was the second, that was the, that was the third piece of, of, of record correcting I wanted to do on this. Just one, this one tiny little cut from the president, the third piece of correction. Um, Mr. Biden's son did not die in combat. Mr. Biden's son did not die in a combat zone. Mr. Biden's son did not die from combat wounds. Mr. Biden's son served honorably and went home and some number of years later, 15, I think, um, died in a terrible way, brain cancer, right? Um, That's it. Didn't didn't die in combat, didn't get wounded in combat, none of that stuff. I give him full credit and honor him because he served in 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 a a war zone. But this nonsense about, you know, how dare he say that to my son? I'm like, come on, man. Come on, man. I, I, Come this, on, man. You know what? The, it, this this sort of thing, this 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 um, disqualifying people because they they seem insufficiently patriotic, is really annoys me. Well, there's going to be a lot that annoys you between now and an election day. I hope uh, so. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> this, this is just the beginning. So buckle up. By the, um, by the okay, way, by the way, I would. These. By the way, I would point out. I don't know when he said this. But I would point out that we are still waiting for some explanation about what are we going to do about the three dead service, um, two service women and one service man in um, in Jordan, killed by a drone in a war that Mr. Biden seems insistent on starting and probably not finishing. So, you know, before you run around saying stuff, you might want to take care of your actual pending business. Sorry, yeah, Tom, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you don't have to apologize. This is the unregulated podcast, and it also sounds quite familiar for the democratic uh the democratic party in terms of foreign affairs uh lastly and our producer found this nice little clip um 
to summarize the end of the Detroit Lions season. You gave it a hell of a run there, producer. Not yeah, that you had anything to do with it, but say again. Yeah. Quicksand at the end there. Uh one thing goes wrong, another thing you goes can't, wrong. You can't you can't you can't dig out your way out of this. Listen, you can't it's you, not your fault. The fix is in. The fix is in. We the fix the, the the Super Bowl is rigged. What do you what? You <laughs> haven't heard this one? No. Did I miss? <laughs> the uh, Super Bowl is rigged so that Taylor Swift can bring ratings. Uh, that's that's the that's the new line. So. Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, the Kelseys. It's all PR. That's it. So I, I've said you know, this. That's why I take solace in the fact that the Bills didn't make it in because. Kansas City was supposed to, you know, be in the Super Bowl this year. It's all it's all fixed. You know, my 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 long divorce from the NFL continues. They have left me with the choice of the 49ers who no normal football fan could tolerate and the um and the the Kansas City Swifties which you have to oppose on general principles. Yeah, uh, including Margaret. Including all Chiefs fans. I have no understanding. I, I, if I was a Chiefs fan, I would be humiliated. I would be embarrassed. I would burn my gear. I would never wear it in public. And All would- right, we'll get to we'll get to sports later. Uh, I want to. Uh, I got two quick announcements. So do I. What do you got? Well, the first is um, I want to thank Coke Industries. Oh boy, yes, for saving the Mona Lisa. Oh, it was it was it their plexiglass or whatever yes. it is. <laughs> This was a Insta from Coke. A Co- Guardian Industries, a Coke company, recently lived up to its name when two visitors at the Louvre reportedly threw liquid at Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa, which is protected by Guardian Clarity Glass. So thank you very much. Thank you. Coke Industries for thank saving the Mona Lisa. You. Thank you, Charles. And uh, on a more somber note, I would like to express my condolences and prayers to the, the Barrasso family. Yeah. Senator John Barrasso's uh, lovely wife, Bobby, passed away after a battle with cancer. Yeah. Um, so last week, late last week, it was while we were recording, I believe it happened. So, yeah. Um, so God bless you all. And, and I'm sorry for your loss, Senator. Those are my announcements. How about you, sir? I lied. I have three. Um, it is it is my it is my um, my kid brother's sixtieth birthday today, um, January thirty first. Uh, is he younger? He is younger. Um, thank you. Um, it, it <laughs> you know, it, dude. I told you you look like Dick Clark pre-stroke, so don't worry about it. Thanks. You look you look damn good, my man. Thanks. Let me let me let me just let me just take a take a personal thirty seconds on this. Um, my brother uh, was a state trooper and a prosecutor for 30 years, 35 years, I want to say, um, in and around um, places in Virginia. Um, and he is one of the quiet heroes of this country, right? Just doing his job every day and keeping us safe. And I, 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 I am tremendously proud of him. And I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit. Um, envious right he is he has so far led a life of meaning and substance and compared to me who's basically chasing shadows around um so happy birthday tom and um may may i interrupt sure happy birthday good great name but uh please don't diminish yourself you are uh you are grounded in your 
faith in your beliefs and uh this town has not corrupted those in uh in spite of uh many many opportunities for it to do so uh, second thank you second one uh, uh happy birthday to colton colton b you know who you are um hope it's a good one and uh, be the first to be the be the be followed by many many more last um i want to i want to uh, give a shout out to all of my friends at bishop Ireton. you know we um mark mccaslin who was two years behind us right and one of my you know, group of friends uh, died um, last week. A young young man, fifty eight, um, and we we buried him uh, this uh, this weekend. And um, especially to Dave McDermott, I want to I want to thank you for um, for being the sort of the the um, person who knitted us all together. Um, and I know you were especially close to Mark, and I'm. Sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for our loss. And Mark was just a just a great, great human being. Um, so we're gonna miss him. Anyway, sorry about that. That's a that's it for me. All right. Well, uh, let's get started, shall we? What happened today in 1917, Mr. McKenna? January 31st, 1917. The the Bismarck was sunk. Uh no. On this day in 1917, Germany announced that they will be renewing their unrestricted submarine warfare in the atlantic all right i'm gonna by introducing the world to the u-boat all right i'm gonna take half credit for that because i mean i got a german naval thing in world war one i know Come on, I, man you get half you don't get a full i get okay at the, uh at the end of january uh, 1917 germany determined to win its war of attrition against the allies announced the resumption of unrestricted warfare Three days later, the U.S. broke off diplomatic relations. Just hours after that, the American liner Housatonic was sunk. Housatonic. None of the 25 Americans on board were killed, but they were picked up by a British steamer, and that cascaded to a declaration of war uh, a few short months later by the United States Congress. So there you have it in... 1940 through uh, 1950, I should say, 1950. 1950, huh? On this day in 1950. Uh, it's too early for the Korean War. On this day, a U.S. president by the name of Harry S. Truman publicly announced that's a, <laughs> with the content requirements, I was going to say with domestic content requirements. That's a <laughs> which they of course skirted. So uh, shush now. All right. So uh, later on in November of 1952, two years later, the U.S. detonated Mike, the world's first A bomb, H bomb, and the rest H bomb. I'm sorry, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. In 1958, this happened. Mm. Uh, the Colts beat the Giants in the in the champion NFC NFL championship game. It wasn't the Lions. The Colts beat the, the Colts beat Colts Colts beat the no. Giants. Colts beat the Giants. This was the day that the United States launched its first artificial space satellite. Really? Yep. Um, Explorer early? One. Okay. 
marking the country's entry into the space race to study cosmic okay. rays. Right. I'm getting stupider. These things are getting harder. I'm not sure which. Yeah, there's another. There was a super easy one today, but I skipped it because I didn't want to get into it. Thanks. All right, and the last one is in 2020. Oh, you know, I'm this happened, but did it really happen? I mean, come on. January 31st, 2020. Across the pond. Oh, who cares if it's British? I don't care. Oh, uh, I don't know. Somebody got married. One of the royals got no, married. No, no, no. The, the United Kingdom formally left the EU more than three years after the country voted for Brexit. So uh, can, can I ask you a quick, may I ask you a but question? But really, did it happen? I mean, really, what changed? Can I may I ask you a question? Why do yeah. we? Why do we still even follow Europe? I mean, the, the, Washington was right. Those people are just a bunch of like rabble rousers and troublemakers and ne'er do wells. I'm like, why are we wasting our time with them? <laughs> I love that. I love that ne'er do well. Ne'er do wells. Yeah, man, that was a, that's good. That's a late entry. You're welcome. You can tell you're you're sixty. <laughs> <laughs> Those, those, all right, let's get to some energy. All right, those uh, let's those, get to those some troublesome, energy. those troublesome kids. All right, go ahead. This is from Bloomberg, from uh, the astute Javier Blas. Yeah, Blas. Yeah, Blas. Yeah. yeah. The world is transitioning to American oil from Saudi crude. Yeah, it should. Picture the scene: weeks after the world came together at COP twenty-eight, a deal for transitioning away from fossil fuels, Saudi Arabia the oil industry's flagship producer cancels a planned increase in its crude output capabilities on paper. It's the stuff climate activists dream about. Not so fast. The cancellation only months before the first of a series of oil field expansions was due to come on stream was at the behest of the Saudi government, which by law sets what's known as maximum sustainable capacity. Um, by scrapping the plan Rida, how do you say that? Which what is it? That's the Saudi R capital. Riyad, how do you how do you pronounce Riyadh? Riyadh, Riyadh. I'm so bad at this. Yeah, I feel well, like Joe Biden. You don't speak Arabic as the first line. Riyadh has concluded. I should know this. I'm an energy guy. Has conceded that what was already an open secret. There's insufficient demand for so much extra Saudi oil in the foreseeable future that is very different from saying the global appetite for additional crude is diminishing and it is in keeping in some it's in keeping with saudi arabia's long history of announcing large expansions only to reverse course and also uh, it shows its habitual preference for us a, a more stable higher price versus having a larger market share and of course the article then pivots to the fact that the united states is quickly becoming the global price setter for said crude. You imagine so. what we could do if the American government wasn't hostile to its citizens' interests. You imagine yeah. what we could do. It, it would be we, the world would be a so much more prosperous and energy secure place. It would be scary. It, it, one of these days, somebody. One of these days, we're going to get an administration that does the right thing here, and and you know, build some kind of bipartisan consensus, not to be weird. Yeah. Well, the key is is we got to get we got to get this stuff by law, right? So, 
anyway that's the other challenge is a lot of this stuff is you know this whipsaw you know it's gonna it'll be great you know undo this undo that yeah, like so. i said one of these days we're gonna have to have a durable <clears throat> bipartisan agreement that it's important that america provide the world with affordable and reliable energy and that's going to make everybody more prosperous and no one really cares about hybrids or evs except for the guys who sort of want to make money off them those guys great if they can they can and if they can't they can't sorry editorial comment. i got another one here this is from oil price yeah. um oilprice.com another difficult year for europe's transition <laughs> <laughs> wow the world is transitioning to American oil. Was that the headline? Uh, was that the headline? Yeah. That's, that was a, the headline. that's a beautiful. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. The solar power industry saw its cost in, increase by 23% from 2022 to 2023. And other quote unquote transition industries saw similar increases. The cost surge has made a lot of pro projects commercially unviable leading to lower participation in renewable energy tenders organized by European governments. The costs of uh, problems of wind and solar power development are not going to go away on their own. And the factors that led to these problems are unlikely to change this year either. Um, get a number here. From, per Woods McKenzie, per Wood McKenzie, the solar power industry saw its increases by 23%. I mentioned that situation was similar in wind, which led to some major cancellations. Um, in the U.S., if you produce one kilo of green hydrogen, you get $3. In Europe, I need to submit a room full of paper. The chief executive of Portugal's largest utility recently complained in Davos, adding that processing this paper takes ages, so on and so forth. Um, so anyway. That's definitely the problem. It's the, the tax credits. It's in, the paperwork. The, the, the yeah. tax credits in Portugal are too complicated. That's definitely the problem here. It, it Here's another tidbit in the article. Uh, apparently, Germany... Uh, the uptake of EVs is slowing down with Germany, the biggest market, booking a 58% decline in EV sales uh, in December. The reason, the direct, the cancellation of the direct EV subsidy. We talked, we touched on that. What? What do you mean? Tough, what do you, whatever, tough times what, in the... What do you mean? Whatever do you mean? Tough times for energy, Vindy. Tough times for the green transition out in Europe. But fortunately, President Biden is helping out by halting this the uh, expansion of LNG uh, contracts uh, and and installations so that, you know, we, we aren't able to send as much over there. So it, it, whatever, you know, if, <laughs> if anybody, if anybody in the Biden administration, the thing is, here's the thing, the folks who know what they're doing in the Biden administration are folks at DOE. There's good folks at DOE and the guys at state and the guys in the national security apparatus. They get this. They understand the importance of this of this LNG. They're opposed to this pause. They never tell you that publicly, but they tell you to you privately. The only guys who are in favor of this thing are guys like, uh, like you know, um, Vice President Zadi, who doesn't, uh, you know, who, who can't explain why he's in favor of it, right? But everyone's opposed well, to it. Knows why, he knows why he's in favor. He uh, just he, doesn't want he, to tell he the public okay, You're right. He, he, he won't explain. Very different. He won't. Fair enough. He yeah. won't explain why he's in favor of yeah. it. I... I the the thing that nobody's the thing that nobody's asking these guys and and I, I hit a couple of reporters about this is you know, all this is doing is moving LNG market to Qatar and Australia that's all yep gee yeah we just we last year we just became the number one producer yeah overtaking Qatar and Australia yeah so 
I mean, like you said earlier, wouldn't it be nice if we had an administration that, or a, a government leadership that, you know, unleashed as opposed to restricted. All right. I got one more in energy and uh, then I'll turn it over to you. If you've got any, this is from the Detroit news. This is merely a column from a gentleman. Uh, what was his name, Alex? James David Dixon. James David Dixon. If there's a saving grace in Michigan spending $125 million in 2024 on electric school buses, it's that we can't afford many of them. Almost every big purchase of electric buses you hear about in Michigan traces back to one source, the Environmental Protection Agency. The EPA's clean school bus program is spending $5 billion over five years underwriting electric buses for schools that couldn't afford them otherwise. To let the EPA tell it, the electric school bus is magic. It makes the air cleaner. It saves money in fuel costs. It can power school buildings in the event of power outages. The EPA actually says this. But magic comes at a high cost. So far, the EPA says it has spent $1.84 billion from the fund. And by the way, as a side note, they are burning through that IRA money pretty darn quick, don't you think? They have to, man. They, they don't. <laughs> I wonder why. Seriously. From, they spent $1.84 billion from the fund on 5,000 buses. So what's the math on that? That's, a six, that's about $360,000 per bus. Diesel buses cost between sixty-five. dollars and a hundred each. Wow. So it's four X. Yeah. That's a lot. Untethered from the physical realities of money, the Biden administration is printing off five billion, five billion to build a fantasy world where school buses prevent childhood asthma and keep neighborhoods powered up after 400,000 in startup costs, of course, but make no mistake. Your kids and grandkids will pay for every last one of them. I like to think that the Biden administration is unburdened by reality. Unburdened by what a bus costs. Unburdened by what has been with respect to the payment of money for buses. Yeah. He also reminded uh, Michiganders. Is that how you say it, producer? That is Michiganders. how you say it, Michiganders. That, uh, that Mi Michigan started 2023 with a $9 billion surplus um, at Governor Whitmer's behest. Lawmakers practiced no restraint and blew through it. <laughs> drunk with power. Shocker. These politicians drunk with power. Powered by, by the magic of school buses. I'd rather they were just drunk. It'd probably be cheaper for all of us. All right, you got anything on energy? Uh, we we I mean we can talk about the LNG thing, but I think Ali Zaidi said all there was to say, say about he, it. He so. bur he buried that dopey idea deep enough. To Toby Rice, <laughs> Toby Rice from EQT, um, and EQT is in a bunch of these different projects. Toby Rice has got a letter out. We'll put it in the show notes to um, Secretary Granholm about what a terrible idea the moratorium is. Um, it's worth reading. It's kind of long, but it's worth reading. Um, yeah, well, I think the Pennsylvania producers uh, should be concerned because they don't make they don't 
pull oil out of the ground, right? So yeah. they they don't have associated production, as the young people like they, to say. Oh, um, okay, yeah. The um, now there's something else, but I can't remember what it is. It doesn't matter. It's all good. Uh, all right, on yeah, to politics. Yeah. Well, before we do that, let me just two two things on that are that are relevant. Um, uh, we're probably heading towards uh, two omnibuses, right? That we're kind of on a different track with both dates. So I think we're 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 gonna we're gonna we're, we're gonna wind up with two different omnibuses. They're both gonna be kind of skinny as far as policy provisions, but there'll be some policy provisions in each one. Figure end of end of March. We might have one more little get me over CR. Um, so that's one. And then two is after they declare the border security deal dead, which is going to happen today, tomorrow, Friday. Um, talking about the Langford amnesty situation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> once they declare that dead, White House is probably going to send up a supplemental just with the Ukrainian money or and maybe the Israeli money and see if that flies. So that's it. That's what we're going to be talking about next week at this time. Or maybe later. Oh, little, little. No, not not just that, sir. Not not just that. The the New Yorkers have gotten a vote on salt. Yeah, they're I gonna, can't wait to see the vote on. I was gonna say it's gonna be three hundred and fifty to twenty seven. <laughs> I go. What I, I'm like, you know, and, and it'll be more than twenty seven. There's quite a few members of Congress from California that'll probably vote. Okay, for so it. it'll be three hundred and fifty to eighty. But Maryland it, it, might vote for a couple of them. Maryland's got high taxes. It it it. it <laughs> I agree with Johnson. I'm like Secretary Speaker Johnson. All right, you want to vote? I'll give you a vote. Here's a vote, right? You know, you guys got 80 votes. Congratulations. All you need is another 130. I think we should vote on on things. I think there should be more votes, not less transparency. And I think we should have a vote on the Cassidy carbon tax. What do you think? I agree. And you know, if if this the unfortunate thing is this tax um, deal with between. Chairman Smith and um, Chairman Wyden over in the Senate. It's not going to work, right? Going to, I mean, it's going to pass the House probably tonight, but um, the Senate's going to hold it up forever, and it's going to die on its own weight. Um, that would be. What, what's their rationale for holding it up? Well, the, but the pay force pretend it's it doesn't exist. <laughs> the pay you for think a senator. The pay for senators. Senators care about that all of a sudden. Yeah, I think somebody's going to at some point raise a point of order on it. Like, hey, this is a pretend pay for. The other thing is it's going to either get killed by being too small or being too large, right? People are going to want to add stuff to it or subtract stuff from it. it there's no way it's going to it's going to get out. There's no way it's going to get 60 votes on the Senate, right? Um, which is too bad because I think it would be a fun bill to put the the um, the Kramer thing on or the Cassidy thing a, or both. And the White House thing. Grand, we're going to have a granddaddy of a year next year. Regardless of who's president, right? Because uh, yeah. they're going to have these Trump tax cuts start to, to expire. Correct. That's right. And uh, you know, so. th- th- this 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 is an attempt to kind of shave off like two or three things. The other problem with it, and friends, the committee to unleash prosperity have pointed this out. The other problem with that is it it severs um, work requirements from the child tax credit, right? It, it essentially makes it so you don't, you know, you can you can get the credit without you can get the you can get the, the benefits without having to, to work, and that's well. Also, the benefits would flow to um, the the children who are here, uh, uh, the the parents some. of children who are here. Some, yeah, some without a, without the proper paperwork. You know, some, so. and, you know, the funny thing is, I'd probably be okay with that, provided it was like attached to work somehow. But it, 
you, we have like 50 years of social research that tells you you got to have work, right? It, it's it's fundamental. Everybody seems to want to cut it out. I don't blame them. Hell. It doesn't seem like a lot of money to have a kid and, you know, just to collect and not work, but. Well, you know, it's I, not, I don't know. It's not Maybe just it is. it's not just that, right? You're getting a whole constellation of federal and state programs. Yeah, look, the, I, I say yeah, that, yeah, look, and... I say this all the time. The math is pretty simple. Um, just the federal government, just the federal government now spends about two um, trillion dollars a year on poverty programs and other, you know, um, income support programs. You have about forty million people uh, under the poverty line, right beneath the poverty line. Math, math is. Which, by the way, is a relative term, right? Poverty here. Well, poverty. That's right. Well, that's very po different. Thing. Poverty line is, you know, what it is, right? But, um, you know, that the math is the math is like what the math is. That means everybody, everybody living under the poverty line, we could give them fifty thousand bucks, and it'd be cheaper than running the federal bureaucracy. Every person, man, woman, and child. Um, so you're going back to Yang. You're all about Yang, right? Well, uh, just scrap all. Scrap yes, all the programs I, I think so. and just give everyone a check. Yeah, I think so. If you know, if you're if you're not going to connect any of it to work, you should get rid of the bureaucracy and just give them a check. Yeah. Okay. It's all it's right. it's the most economically efficient thing to do. The and, problem and, with that though is, it, it it's sort of like when the carbon taxers were talking about swapping the regs, right, for a carbon tax. Oh, it would be very difficult to do. Well, it would be impossible. Well, here's right? the, the the important difference. And this is an important difference, right? The carbon dioxide regs, the environmental clean air regulations, have an enormous set of interests associated with them. Law firms, um, not just bureaucracies, but contractors, law firms, all kinds of people who make money off the, off the Clean Air Act amendments of 1990 and 1977, including yours very truly. Um, you try to get rid of that stuff, everyone's going to push back. The only people in favor of the current administration of the welfare state are the, is the bureaucracy that is administering it. And that, the bureaucracy and also the Democratic Party has a, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. a lot invested in this great society, right? That's right. So, but, but see, the thing about it is... And, and scrapping all that would admit it was pretty much a failure. But see, maybe. it wouldn't. So. It, it, would just, it, it would just say, look, we bureaucratized it and that was the failure. You know, we just need to give people money that directly. Eventually, some Republican is going to force this issue and, and make a thing of it. And it's going to be very hard for the Republic for the Democrats to let a Republican get to the left of them on it. So they're going to have to come along for the ride. It'll be somebody like Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio. Anyway. Interesting. And I, also, I mean, part of part of the reason that the IRS has worked so hard to give give uh, encourage them you to give them access to their bank bank account information because they were doing that during that first run during COVID was, was literally sending quarterly checks to people yeah. for the, for the child, uh, the child credit as an advance yeah. on your taxes. Right. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, it was it's, a little bit it, crazy. It's tricky and lots of it depends on how you implement it, but I'm coming to the conclusion that it's the best way to prevent poverty, especially if you're not going to have work requirements. And it looks like we're not going to have any work requirements. Anyway, that's it. it, it I only mentioned McKenna that has gone full Yang, ladies and gentlemen. Full Yang right here on the Unregulated Podcast I have Program. To be, I have to be honest with you, I'm completely uncomfortable with that particular phrase. <laughs>
<laughs> the full Yang. That's the name of the show. Please stop saying that. <laughs> All right. uh, look, uh, back to politics. Another one bites the dust. Another uh, gentleman from the United States Congress is calling it quits. Dutch yeah. Ruppersberger yeah. from Hockeysville, Maryland. Yeah, Dutch from, from the Maryland second. Yeah. Um, has announced he will not seek a 12th term which brings the house open seat count to 47 the third in maryland but that number will soon increase to at least 48 michael yeah why well it appears that the louisiana congressional delegation has been officially redistricted and it is also apparent that garrett graves will not seek election in the new heavily democratic sixth district but the rumors are flying that he will be moving to District 5 to challenge Congresswoman Julia Letlow, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm tremendously excited about that opportunity. I yeah. have a feeling that people... I have a feeling that I might be making my first ever endorsement in a practice. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, 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 I know I'm headed that All way, right, too. Um, so uh, another gentleman crunched the numbers, and he said, and this uh, might um, make you feel a bit better, Mike, the, the, the number of House seats is not unusual in the past decade, actually. Mm-hmm. Since the 2012 election, the House campaigns have featured anywhere between 48 and 63 open seats in each respective election cycle. So we're right on pace with the with the new uh new frenetic pace if you will of retirements yeah. in the house of representatives yeah you know I, like i said i've been i've been resistant to the hysteria i still am the thing that i think i think we said this last week but let me just make sure the thing that makes this different is these are all senior guys these are all guys who would be chairman and subcommittee chairs depending on whether the democrats or the republicans took the house and both sides all the retirees on either side are betting that their side's going to lose. That's the yeah, weird well, not thing. Well, not Pelosi. Speaker Emeritus, Emerita. Don't say she's that. She's sticking around. Don't say that. It's like full Yang. Don't say it. Speaker Emeritus. There's no such thing. If Let no, me ask they, you a question. They always do that. The Democrats have – how many leadership posts have the Democratic Democrats expanded? Let me, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. How come we don't say President Emeritus? I mean, what the hell goes on? You just don't get to say stuff like that. Speaker Emerita. Oh, man. Go ahead. All right. Uh, this is from Axios. This is uh, – By the, way, morning, if we, by the actually, way, if we have a bunch of former speakers together, are they Speaker Emeriti? <laughs> just check. Is it an octopi? Is that <laughs> is what an octopi? An octopuses. group of octopuses <laughs> is – <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, speaking of a bunch of formers together, I saw this. I didn't include it in the in the show notes, but do you see that uh, the Dems are planning a fundraiser, uh, a road show with Biden, Clinton, and Obama? Wow, really, Clinton too? Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Guns. Wait a minute. William Jefferson, Clinton, or Hillary? William Jefferson. Even after the Epstein thing? I, apparently, he's still a draw to some people. I don't know. Wow. 
Yeah, that's that was what I uh, saw this morning. And then this scoop yeah. from Axios. State Department reviewing options for possible recognition of Palestinian state. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blinken asked the State Department to conduct a, quote, review and present policy options on possible U.S. international recognition of a Palestinian state after the Gaza war in Gaza. Two U.S. officials briefed on the issue told Axios. U.S. officials say there is has been no policy change, but the fact that the State Department is even considering such options signals a shift in thinking within the Biden administration on possible Palestinian statehood recognition, which is highly sensitive both internationally and domestically. For decades, U.S. policy has been to oppose the recognition of Palestine as a state, both bilaterally and in UN institutions and to stress Palestinian statehood should only be achieved through direct negotiations between Israel and the Palestinian Authority. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's not surprising, right? It's the only, yeah, well, it's, it's the mean, only way it's the only way they're going to cure their problem with the young folks here. Yeah, well, it, it also maybe gives them a little bit of a, of a talking point because every time they go anywhere nowadays, they're being interrupted by what are they calling him? Oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, something Joe. They're calling him Jihad Joe. <laughs> so um, it it it. So the White House communications and the campaign staff are getting frustrated with these enthusiastic activists who are cramping their style everywhere they go. Hmm. Everywhere they go, they a taste they of your own medicine. They don't these go guys, anywhere. This they machine don't... was created by yeah, man. the Democrats, the Democratic apparatus. Right? What do they What do they expect? So. Well, what they expect is what's going to happen. The young people are going to ultimately come home, and the um, and the American, uh, the American uh, Jewish population um, is going to remain unchurched. They are never going to become Republicans. They may not be Democrats, but they are never going to become Republicans. I assume that's what George Soros is thinking. That's what I'd be yeah. thinking. So. Uh... At, you know, you don't think at any point that'll happen that 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 the American Jewish community decides, hey, we maybe need to recalibrate. Yeah, you're gonna have. I mean, look at no. look at. Pre I mean, for what it's worth, look what President Trump did uh, to advance the you know Israeli cause. No, no. Relative to relatively speaking, to no. what this is up to. No, you're gonna have one offs like it's like a Catholic. It's like that diehard Catholic Democrat vote. It won't go yeah, away. Yeah, it is a little bit like it is a little bit like Joe Biden, right? The difference is there's there's two differences. One, you're gonna have some one-offs like Bill Ackman, right? Who are gonna wake up one morning and say, Hey, uh, maybe I've been wrong. And then two, the other difference between them and the heart that the the you know, I'm Catholic as a social matter, not as a religious matter, is eventually all those yeah. guys are gonna die, right? Guys like Joe Biden, they're gonna die. And you know, they're they're nobody nobody yeah, my, grand, my grandfather was a diehard Democrat. He wouldn't be today but you know kennedy was a democrat so you, a, you know it's a it's a bunch of nonsense right even fdr kennedy even even when kennedy was president it was nonsense right i'm like it, it you just say whatever it, you know but but i mean it's especially it's especially nonsense now given what the democratic party has become right the the, the seriously the, the frontier of social engineering in america all right, so uh, this article ends, and I want to uh, bring this up because I wanted to transition. Yeah. 
Blinken is expected to meet with uh, Israeli Minister for Strategic Affairs Ron Dremmer late Wednesday and discuss the situation with Gaza. Dremmer met Wednesday morning, this was both today, with White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan for a similar discussion. And that leads me to a tweet, not from some right-wing nutbag, you know, not from, uh, you know, Blaze TV or Dan Bongino. This is from... Anne-Marie Hordern, who is a uh, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg TV. Jake Sullivan on September, this was a tweet or an X. Jake Sullivan on September 29th, 2023. Mind you, a week before October. Yeah, yeah. The Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. Anthony Blinken on January 29th, 2024. I would argue that we've not seen a situation as dangerous as the one we're facing now across the region since at least 1973. Well, there you go. A lot has happened in three months in Israel. These guys are impossible, man. They're, they're absolutely impossible. They're, they are what they are. They are, they are, they are the junior varsity team. From leftover, you know, the junior varsity leftovers from the Obama regime. Quieter today than in two decades, a week before the, the attack. All right. Um, there is some good news. You ready? Yeah. CNN reports amid pressure. This is CNN's headline, by the way, not, you know, Fox News. Amid pressure to visit, Biden is headed to East Palestine after... Uh, the one year and on the one year anniversary after the train derailment. Yeah. Well, he said he was going back and he he's going back. <laughs> I'll bet you 50 bucks. He talks I, about here's what I bet. What Here's what I bet happened. Yeah. Mr. President, you want to go to Palestine? <laughs> I think he confused Palestine with East Palestine. He said yes. And now it's on his schedule. Isn't it Palestine? Do they pronounce it Palestine? I have a bet. I have a bet down with a reporter about this that um, that he talks more about Palestine than Palestine in Ohio when he goes. I think, oh, I mean, I think he's gonna. He'll he'll give he'll give you, he'll give two minutes on railroad safety and he'll give thirty minutes on the Middle East. What do you do a year later? Like, who who cares? Do they even want him still to be there at this point? Sure, man. Like, you, know, you always want to have the president show up. It's it's great for the business, so that right? he can bark at him about how you yeah, know whatever whatever his thing of the day is. Yeah. Well, he can talk about that conductor that he, you know, hugged and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, I wish I, I should have remembered that. He'd probably talk more about that than anything else. <laughs> I remember when I took trains back, back in hot six. <laughs> Let me we're tell you, Sonny. We're going to build a train to Hawaii. We used to we used to have a conductor, and he went and he took tickets. Not this newfangled point of beam of light at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Oh boy! <laughs> All right, I got another one for you. Oh, by the way, there's breaking news. Breaking news. Guess who's taking John Kerry's place? I guess who is replacing Special Envoy Kerry? Yeah, the producer already told me. Um, it, it, it's that. It's that. It's that whippersnapper, John Podesta. <laughs> it's that young budding diplomat. Slash mafioso John Podesta. Is that fitting or what? 
Yeah. One of these days, somebody's going to have to explain to me what's the Democratic fascination with the Podesta family. I mean, they, they're just train wrecks of human beings. I just don't, don't get any of it. I'm like, why do, you keep, why do you keep advancing these guys? But, you know, no fear, though, because he will remain at the White House rather than move to the State Department. So, oh, you know, he's not going to waste taxpayer money by bringing his boxes over to the to the State Department. I got he's a perfectly diff- comfortable in the White House. I got a different question. Is that is that office going to stay open at the State Department? And if so, who's in it? Can we get a list of names? We're still. Oh, we have a list of names. They just were just redacted. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> we sent you. The I'm names. actually I'm actually bummed out because I thought it was going to be his daughter. Remember, I said. Yeah. I I, no, there's no way. Don't be ridiculous. Alexandra man. or whatever. This is, this is this is this. She served no time in the Obama administration, so it, she can't work in this administration. You, you you can't you can't work in the Biden on Team Biden unless you've been in the unless you were in the Obama administration. You think Jeff Zients practiced this a few times before he said it? We need to keep meeting the gravity of this moment, and there is no one better than John Podesta to make sure we do. Yikes! Zients yeah. said, "You know when I when I when I think of a when I think of a guy who's worried about global warming, I think about a guy who's living in a four thousand square foot house in Northwest Washington." I just want to point out that we, of course, do know where Chief of Staff Science lives. Been to his house. But we would never dox him. However, we're not going to dox him. But but been to his house. Know exactly how big it is. Just in time, the next climate summit will take place this November in Baku, Azerbaijan. Yeah, that's kind of so. funny, right? Given that that's like one of the largest oil fields on the planet. I'm like, I'm like, are you? Are you? This is a put on, right? This is a. What was it? What was it? Dubai this year? Yeah, Dubai, the Doha, whatever. Dubai this year, Azerbaijan next year. It's going to be up at the Willow Project in Alaska. Year after next round, right? it's going to be up at the Willow Project. In, you know, it, it, if you're the oil guys, you must be just trolling these characters at this point. Yeah, no kidding, right? So, anyway, well, the good news is is that you know, uh, it, and it's a sign that. Uh, the administration is looking to go younger. Podesta? Yeah. So, because what, what is John? What is he, 70? So, you got to be 70. John, John Kerry was what, 80? Yeah. I, I'm telling you, I think John Podesta was, is, is 70, 72, something like that. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, his birthday was 1949. Makes him 75 years old. Holy so, there you mackerel. go. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy biden harris getting younger every day just 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 talk about a gerontocracy man all right let's, oh, let's keep moving, keep saw, moving. we've had enough fun with podesta i got one from uh new york post always a great source yeah sodomai are overwhelmed by demanding scotus workload yeah i live in frustration Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor vented about being, quote, tired from her demanding workload on the high court, as well as her frustration with the conservative-dominated bench. Yeah. Speaking to a group of of students at the University of California Berkeley School of Law, the 69-year-old jurist opened up about the vicissitudes of serving on the court while increasingly in the political crosshairs. Cases are bigger, 
They're more demanding. The number of Amici are greater. And you know, our emergency calendar is so much more active. I'm tired, she said. There used to be a time when we had a good chunk of the summer break. Not anymore. The emergency calendar is busy almost on a weekly basis, Sotomayor lamented. Come on, man. This has got to be some kind of put on, right? <laughs> the New York Post. These are quotes from her. I live in frustration. So do I. Every poor rich. Every loss go back truly every loss truly traumatizes me in my stomach and in my heart. Oh boy. So added per the report. But I have to get up in the morning and keep fighting. You don't have to, Justice. Uh, you you feel free to resign. You have a president of your own party. You have a Senate that's of your own party. Resign. Let him let him put somebody else in place. Somebody younger and more energetic. I, I don't if you don't like it, don't do it. Right. It, this 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 stuff is yikes. All I can tell you is John Podesta, who's six years older. You never hear that kind of stuff out of him. He goes to work every day thinking, yeah, man, who are we going to monkey wrench today? Yeah, billions of dollars to all his friends. Heck yeah. All all his climate buddies in the name of environmental justice. But the point is – Speaking of environmental justice, this uh, also is not on the list. We're not going to look – we're into this Martha Vineyards thing, are we? Did you not see that? I did. Martha's Vineyard is now a low-income community, so they can uh, they, they, the Biden administration can dish out the EV charging grants well, to the jurisdiction. If memory serves me, the way they wound up defining that the, the eligible the committees the communities eligible for EJ um, related grants was so expansive that essentially every zip code in America, you know, um, <laughs> matched it. Right? Everyone's just like, yeah, sure. So it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. And the funny thing is. You know the um, the EJ advocates at the st- at the top of this, they were running around going, "Hey, we were promised forty percent of this money," which is true, right? Biden said during the campaign, "Hey, we're you know we're going to make sure you get forty percent of whatever there is going on," right? Um, I guarantee you, they haven't seen forty percent of the money. Yeah, and, they have, and nobody's nobody's saying a word about it. They no, have, they have not. There's no way they have. If you expand the definition. Yeah, of, of, of the, I mean the, the actual, recipients of environmental justice maybe, grants. Maybe I should be a little. Cl- well, no, there are none. No, that's the thing. Maybe like, I should be a little. Clearer. It's a made-up thing. It's like natural asset companies. Yeah, it may be. But right? these guys are so good at creating yeah, but, nothing but, out of whole cloth. But see, let me just stop. Right? You. Let me stop you right here, because what Biden meant was clear. He meant black folks are going to get forty percent of this. There's going to be gravy in here for you. It was a straight democratic. Yeah, yeah. It was a state a straight democratic patronage deal. And he's reneged on it, and no one has said a word about it. And then there were two Niners and Chiefs. Call it. Uh, I have I have given up. I picked neither team to be in the AFC or in the Super Bowl, so I'm done. Yeah, I'm sporting. I'm only picking the lesser of two evils at this point, which is the Niners. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sporting a two and four record myself in projections. Um, no right-thinking American can root for the Chiefs. What was that Babylon B thing you sent me? No, oh, the NFL is going to ban Taylor Swift. No, Trump. Trump. Oh, Trump. Yeah, promised to ban Taylor Swift. President yeah. Trump's set to ban Taylor Swift from all future NFL. Games. Good gravy. Um, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to both root for and predict that the 49ers are going to win. But I hate to. Man, I, the thing about Mahomes is he's just 
so good. And he's on. He's really on. Yeah, he is. All right, producer, producer. Sorry about your Lions. Chiefs. Sorry about the quicksand. Who are you picking? He picked the Chiefs. Chiefs he picked the oh, he boy. picked the Chiefs because he's a big Taylor Swift fan. He sings her yeah. songs in their office. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have too many of those songs spinning around in my head, thanks to my teenage children. I'm just telling you. All right, I gotta close. Uh, do you got anything else? I gotta close. It's a long one, and only you and I are gonna appreciate it. <laughs> you and I are gonna laugh. <laughs> I found it and it's a little bit dated, but it is just beautiful. It is as, as uh, president Trump would say, it's just, be it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So uh, if you don't have anything else, let's run this. Okay. And let's call it a, let's call it a, uh, an episode. Okay. The New York Yankees are a rudderless disaster. Brian Cashman thinks the Yankees have good people. Oh, oh, good. Excellent. Brian Cashman, you are the problem. And that was a terrible session with the press yesterday. Hal Steinbrenner, he spoke to the press as well. And, I mean, the whole thing was a dumpster fire, which is Yankee baseball. How about Hal Steinbrenner saying that the team is going to bunt more? Oh, has anyone checked the roster? And Nick Swisher said that Aaron Boone should return. Why do I give a damn what Nick Swisher has to say about my manager? Who cares? Why is anyone listening to Nick Swisher? Cashman's defending his roster, how he puts the team together. The Sonny Gray deal. I love the Sonny Gray deal. He failed on your team. I mean, my goodness, that's on you. I mean, look at this. They failed to win a pennant for the 14th straight season. Remember standards? And I don't want to hear, oh, it's all about injuries and the solutions are in the room. Injuries? They didn't have a left fielder last year. I mean, look at these sickly, embarrassing, pathetic, atrocious, hot garbage numbers. The Yankees are awful. Just awful. And look, I'll be open-minded to the offseason, but that means you got to trust Brian Cashman, and why would you do that? This is the same guy who said, we don't need Bryce Harper. We don't need Manny Machado. We don't need Kyle Schwarber, who had a lefty bat tailor-made for Yankee Stadium. The New York Yankees are a disgrace. The New York Yankees have become chronic underachievers. Listen, Hal Steinbrenner, I mean, what would his dad do? I mean, his dad would have rightly fired everyone and demanded better and winning. This is okay? Just bunt? Yankee baseball, the worst. It was from CBS Sports. I, was say, I don't who even the know hell, who this guy is. Who the hell is. is that guy? It's so good. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but man, I was <laughs> just like, I couldn't stop laughing when I heard it the first time. Uh, we need that guy to be general manager. He's got the fire. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, everything like one uh, one minute and forty seven seconds crystallized everything we've been talking about. Seriously, so. for ten years, um, pitchers and catchers report in a couple of weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Just remember that. Uh, well, the Yankees don't have any pitchers, so it's it's basically just catchers, and they did <laughs> did get rid of Agassio. I, so, I don't even so, know if they have so, a catcher. So three catchers are gonna three catchers are gonna report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two dudes. One dude's gonna show up like Kelly from the Bad News Bears with his motorcycle. And they'll be like. Hey, <laughs> yeah, on some equipment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, man. folks, it's a wrap. Thank you for indulging us in the close. It is episode number 167, and it is now in the books. Enjoy Groundhog's Day and Namaste. Namaste.